Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, a podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, and you can follow me on, twi- on uh, Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days at Talkin ACC Sports. That's T A L K I N A C C Sports. You can follow the moderator, Matthew, at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. But he spends a lot more time these days at our allsportsdiscussion.com uh, Twitter account at allsportsdacc. I'll turn it over to our moderator, Matthew, as we welcome our podcast guest. And Matthew, everything looks good it's to go. It's awesome. It is awesome. Happy Sunday, everyone. How fortunate are we to in the D.C. area to have like 70 degrees on Friday night, and it was about 60 yesterday, and then we're probably going to get snow on tu- uh, on Tuesday night, so good times. Uh, really some strange weather here, but I did enjoy being able to sit outside and have tacos on Friday night, uh, on Friday night, and I never thought I would be able to do that. It was pretty Pretty crazy, but it was pretty fun to see that. In j- <laughs> pretty fun to see that in January. So this is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. We're, Jeff and I are proud of that. Proud of that. You'll see us featured at accdation.net because they're cross-posting us our podcast there. You're seeing us. Jeff will tell you about. I can't remember the other site, but Jeff will tell you that. Uh, that other site where we're cross-posting, we're on iTunes podcast, we're all over the place. And people love getting ACC ACC, uh, news. We kind of think we're the grassroots group that puts it out there. We certainly have our specialties. Of course, Jeff is a a Georgia Tech and Clemson alum, and I'm a Virginia Tech alum, so we do focus on the fan fan base that we have at our schools. But we also have experts come on about their teams all year long and tonight man tonight is no difference man tonight is no difference here dan caro's with us from treadmill horse he is a return guest on this podcaster he's the owner and operator of treadmillhorse.com it's a blog which focuses on virginia tech football and men's basketball but you also see dan do a lot of work on on right you'll see dan do some work on wrestling and certainly a lot of work at his blog recently and on his twitter account recently about virginia tech women's women's basketball i mean he he, he covers a lot of things at the site of course but has this the core specialties of the revenue sports he's bet he's guest hosted this podcast before He's been a blogger on our panels before. He's been a guest picker before. He's actually been a very outstanding friend of AllSportsDiscussion.com. Dan, friend, welcome back. And I want to make sure that tell tell people you can follow Dan on Twitter at at TreadmillHorse. Again, that's at T-R-E-A-D-M-I-L-L-H-O-R-S-E. Dan, tell us about yourself and anything that you want to plug. I know I ran through quite a few sound bites there because – you know what? That's what I do. I used to be a radio, radio DJ in college, and so I just tend to run my mouth. And so the floor is yours, friend. Thank you for joining us. On- yeah, I'm really excited to be back on. Um, always have a great time talking to you and Jeff. I love doing the podcast. Um, a little bit more about myself. I graduated from Virginia Tech in 2004. I've been watch- following and watching Virginia Tech football and men's basketball 
since around the year 2000. So <laughs> anything 21st century, uh, Virginia Tech, I, I feel like I can cover. Um, you mentioned women's basketball. That's that's something new for me. I've, I've gotten more into women's basketball uh, with the rise of Virginia Tech's women's program, which has been exciting. I wouldn't consider myself an expert on women's basketball just yet. Um, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm starting to learn learn a little bit more about it. Um, I, I can definitely I definitely follow the Virginia Tech team closely, but I'm starting to get better about all ACC women's basketball. Um, but yeah, for your listeners, any, the one thing I want to plug is the Twitter account. If they're not following Treadmill Horse already, um, I think they should. And I'm trying to do a lot more ACC-based content rather than just only Virginia Tech. Like one new thing that I started introducing recently are ACC men's basketball power rankings each week. I also do it for football during football season. So it's just fun just basically ranking the teams, who's doing best on any given week. Um, so if you're curious about where your team ends up on, on those rankings, you should check those out. But yeah, really excited to be back on the show. We're happy to have you back on the show, Dan. The, Jeff, the floor is yours. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Dan, this past week, <clears throat> who was your ACC team of the week? And I think we've got a you know, two or three pretty good candidates that made some uh, nice moves this past week. And who was your most disappointing uh, team of the week in the ACC? So for me, the team that made the the most moves this week or had the biggest opportunity this week was North Carolina. And I say North Carolina just in the sense that they were already in that top spot. But just to prove, like basically solidify their top ranking, I feel like they had a good opportunity to show that. They had Wake at home, and Wake has obviously shown that they're a tough team this this year. So they got the win at home, and it was pretty decisive, especially in the second half. So it was good to see UNC take care of business there. And then, like as as a lot of us know, Florida State on the road is pretty tough. Like that can be a pretty tough game. So knocking off Wake at home and then Florida State on the road, I think UNC did a great job of solidifying their top spot at the top of the conference. Hey Jeff, I'm uh, this is Matthew. I'm just going to add a couple of things, a couple follow ups here for Dan. Clearly, the Commonwealth te- teams, Dan, are getting better before that return matchup to Blacksburg because both Virginia and Virginia Tech are playing better basketball. I thought I, I'll, I'll toot the horn a little bit. I know Jeff was probably going to say a few things here, but both teams are playing really well right now. And that matchup and the return matchup in Blacksburg is going to be must watch. Well, I'll just tell you about how, like where they've stood on my power rankings. I think two weeks ago, Virginia and Virginia tech were eight, ninth and 10th respectively in the conference. And as of today, I've got UVA third and Virginia tech six. So, both teams have made significant jumps in the last two weeks. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's a matchup that everybody is looking forward to. Jeff, the floor is yours, friend. All right. And Dan, on the other side of the coin, who was who your disappointing team of the week in the ACC? So for me, it's NC State. I think they had an opportunity to get off the snide after the snide after losing to Virginia Tech uh, last Saturday. So they had an opportunity going into two road games. They had UVA on the road and Syracuse on the road. 
Um, in my mind, both of those were winnable games for them, even though like it's two back to back on the road. They dropped both of them, and now they're on a three-game losing streak. So it's it's not looking great uh, for the Wolfpack right now. And unlike two weeks ago, there's there's questions being asked of their head coach, and that's it's it's been a bad week and a half to be an NC State Wolfpack fan. Yeah, that, that that's a great choice, Dan. They've you know NC State. We're going to talk more about the NCAA tournament and. Uh, they are one of the ACC teams that were on the bubble and went in the wrong direction uh, here recently. <clears throat> um, looking ahead, though, to the week, uh, upcoming week, there are some huge ACC games with major, um, you know, conference standing implications, NCAA implications. Um, what ACC game are you looking forward to the most this upcoming week? in the upcoming week and who do you have on upset alert this week? Okay. So the biggest game, this one's obvious. I think this is uh, <laughs> an easy choice for me. So it's gotta be UNC and, and Duke. Um, it's always the biggest game of the year. I mean, it's the biggest rivalry in the ACC and then particularly this year, and it's not uncommon for it to be the case. They're, they're playing for the top spot in the ACC. Uh, so yeah, like they're between number one and number two, they they got to play it out. So that'll be a fun game to watch. That'll be an interesting game to watch. In terms of upset alert, it's kind of in the same vein, but I've got Duke at Virginia Tech tomorrow on Big Monday. Like for a couple of reasons. A, um, I believe that in the last five games in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech's four and one against Duke. So it's been a tough place for them to play anyway. But now they're on a two-day turnaround. They're going on the road. And then it's the game right before the big Carolina game. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think this, the ACC schedule makers did Duke any favors there. So I think that's that's definitely one to watch if you're looking for a big upset this week. That's that's the one I've got highlighted. Yeah, great call there. It's a tremendous opportunity for Virginia Tech uh, this week and what should be just a wild uh, atmosphere uh, for that game. Uh, all right, Dan, going national, uh, what are some of the national uh, games you're looking forward to uh, the most this week? So this week, if you're a big college basketball fan, I think from Four o'clock on, you can basically just sit yourself down in front of the TV and you got a lot to watch. So the first one I want to bring up is Houston at Kansas. So that's number four against number seven in the country. That'll be an exciting one to watch. And that's that's one where they're likely playing for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So that'll be fun after that. And let me, let me check the time on this. Well, you obviously got... Duke and Carolina at 6.30. So I would say watch that Houston at Kansas game. Tune it over to Duke at Carolina. And then at 8.30 after Duke at Carolina, you got Tennessee going to Kentucky. So those are all – well, Duke is, uh, number, uh, is number 12 in the country, but the rest of those are all top 10 matchups. And then Duke at, at Carolina is a number three versus a number 12. So a lot of highly ranked teams going up against each other this week, so it should be an exciting one. All right. All right, Dan, we're going to give you the floor here to talk about your team. Uh, give us your thoughts on 
you know, the Virginia Tech men's basketball uh, situation. Uh, you can even chime in on the, uh, you know, top 25 uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball team. And you can talk about football, too, just to kind of run down of the, uh, you know, the some of the major sports here at Virginia Tech and your thoughts on them. Sure. So I'll start with men's basketball. So I think Mike Young's doing a really good job. I hear some complaining about Mike Young, um, specifically before they went on a three-game win streak here. Overall, even going into the, even before the three-game win streak, I still think Mike Young's doing a good job. I think he's a solid coach. Even like in Mike Young's first year, I felt like Virginia Tech was a well-coached team, and I, I still think that. Um, they've had some roster issues and like, I feel like they have roster issues basically every year. So it hasn't been exactly played out perfectly for them. Um, one thing, I don't know how much I've talked about this on my Twitter account, but I think this year, if Virginia Tech had brought back Grant Basile and Rodney Rice hadn't left right before the season, this would easily be a top four team in the ACC. I think both of those things not happening. I think that's put Virginia Tech in the position they're in right now. Um, I think they just lack scorers. So they've got three scorers, and then after that, there's not a whole lot going on. But either way, I think Mike Young's a good coach. I think he's got Virginia Tech running in a good direction. Um, and I think we got to give him the benefit of the doubt on his roster decisions um, just because he's got he's had more hits than misses. And I think going into like future seasons, I think that's still going to be the case. Um, I don't know that Virginia Tech's ready to challenge Duke and Carolina at the top of the, the ACC, but I think that they're in a solid position. And I think if things go their way, more often than not, they'll be making the NCAA tournament. Um, talking about women's basketball, I think they're, they're turning things around and they're going in a good direction. Uh, they dropped a couple, of, a couple of games early in the season. They lost to LSU. They lost to Iowa. Um, and then they dropped one recently to Florida State. Um, I still think that Virginia Tech's in a good position to be a high seed in the women's NCAA tournament. Um, whether they'll make it back to the Final Four or not, I think that's a matter of like who they draw in the NCAA tournament. But I still think they're a really good team, especially with Georgia Amore, who I think is one of the best players in the country, and Liz Kitley, who's a returning All-American. I think between those two, like regardless of what's going on in the rest of the roster, I think they can make some noise at the national level. And then you brought up football. Um, I won't go too long on football because I think I've already been droning on here. Uh, but yeah, I think Virginia Tech football is going to be in a good place going into next year. They bring back a bunch of guys on defense. I think everybody on offense is coming back. Um, and then the biggest thing for me is Kyron Drones. I, I think he had a good year this past year, but I, I still think a lot of people in the ACC don't realize how good he is as a quarterback. And I think he's going to make some very serious noise going into next year. Um, I don't know that Virginia Tech will win the ACC next year, but I think they'll be they'll be in the mix for the top of the conference next year. All right, very good, Dan. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the last couple questions in the podcast. We're going to have two speakers here because I know Jeff wants to go on a rant here, and so he may end up ranting early tonight. I'm kidding, Jeff. But no, I want to give you an opportunity to speak because you've blogged about this a lot, Jeff. Dan, is the national media dogging the number of ACC picks given the fact that the Big Ten bows out of the tournament every 
every weekend with when they get eight teams and seven are out the first two days. The floor well, is here, Dan. God, I hope I don't sound like buying bias. Well, it's it's been crazy recently, especially what I've seen. Like I respect John Rothstein's opinion, but when he says that the ACC is only going to get two teams in the tournament, I think that's absolute insanity. Um, I've been reading what Jeff's been saying too, but in my opinion, right now, if like if the tournament, if Selection Sunday was today, Duke, UNC, and Clemson would all be in the tournament. So that's three. Like that's three right off the bat, and then you've got. Another three teams that are very bubblicious, like Virginia Tech, UVA, and Wake, are all sitting right there on the bubble. Um, I think it could be one, it could be three, but I think all three of those teams have a good shot to get off the bubble and make the tournament. I think right now Virginia Tech has the best resume of those three teams. I definitely think that can change, but of those three teams, I think they really need to get a good conference record like by at the end of the year if they want to make the tournament. They've got to have at least 12 ACC wins if they want to have a chance. So I think at least one of those three teams are going to make the tournament. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the, the ACC definitely deserves um, <laughs> more national attention and more teams in the NCAA tournament than at least John Rothstein thinks. I, I definitely think they deserve it. Nothing getting dogged. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Jeff, I want to hear what you have to say. I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, you know, what, you know, starting with, with, with Rothstein and that two bid nonsense, I can't even believe he, uh, you know, read what he, you know, tweeted and actually how it somehow made sense in his mind. Uh, Matthew, this is this is going to be my open mic because uh, that, that is just absurd. What is going on um, nationally? And and Rothstein isn't the only one. I mean, this is Lunardi, you know, the the ESPN guy who's who's gone the way of Mel Kiper. You know, once was fantastic at his job, and now just you know seems to put things together to to you know rile up fan bases and stuff, but. You know, you look at you 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 look at the numbers here, and and none of them add up so, to the ACC being a two or three bid league. Um, you know, the reality is is that we we should probably be looking at six bids. Um, you might even could stretch it to seven, and but we'll be fair in saying I'm I'm not sure how anyone can get less than four at least four and, and probably five, you know, Duke and North Carolina, they're, they're, they're mortal locks for the tournament that they're not, they're not going to miss barring some kind of, you know, unbelievable collapse, but that's where you got to start looking into the numbers just a little bit uh, deeper, which apparently most bracketologists um, are not doing, but you know, while there is no, third team that I would, you know, I would put among the top 20 in the country right now. Um, when you, even when you use the net as your basis, the ACC has six teams currently ranked in the top 50 of, of the net. And then they have 12 teams ranked in the top 100. Uh, there is no way on earth that that becomes a two or a three bid league. Uh, some of these bracketologists had the Mountain West Conference 
with more bids in the ACC. By the way, the ACC has a winning record against the Mountain West Conference. Um, the Pac-12, who is rated below the ACC in every metric uh, that, that I've seen comparing conferences, had more uh, bids four to three uh, by a lot of bracketologists. And then when you start getting into the head head-to-head matchups, which which really blows my mind. Um, you know, I've had some people argue with me on Twitter, like, oh, well, this metric said this, when the most obvious metric in existence is head-to-head. You know, this isn't like, even in football, um, where you could argue, and I think it's a pretty weak argument even then, when there's like two or, you know, a handful of games played between conferences and, you know, you might can say, oh, this matchup didn't work out. But in a lot of cases with basketball, uh, you have, you know, 10, 12, sometimes when you, when the ACC has played 30 games with the SEC, um, the ACC is nine and three against the big 12. Not, not six and six nine and three against the conference that by most metrics is rated number one in the con- in the country. And uh, you look at what happened in the big 12 this, this past weekend, you know, Iowa state TCU, uh, those are teams that, you know, lost to ACC schools. Virginia tech's win over Iowa state on a neutral site. Uh, it's one of the best wins you know, it, it might be one of the t- 10 or 12 best wins in college basketball this season. Uh, Clemson, that Rothstein said was on the bubble, ha- beat the first place team in the SEC on the road in Alabama, the third place team, uh, South Carolina, and beat the team that's sitting in fourth place uh, in the Big 12, TCU. That's Clemson's not anywhere near the bubble. Yeah, they're three and five in the ACC, but if anything, that proves the depth of the ACC that a team that has that kind of non-conference, that's how it's supposed to work. When you're that good in the non-conference and you start losing games in conference, it means the teams in the conference are pretty good. Um, so it, it, that's just insane that there's any discussion of Clemson being on the bubble. Now, should they lose to Louisville at home on Tuesday night? Okay, I'll entertain the thought that they're on the bubble. But, um, you know, if 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 that happens, that's saying more about, you know, where Clemson is uh, than, than the ACC uh, having fewer bids. And I don't expect Clemson to lose to Louisville um, Tuesday night. But it, should that happen? Yeah, then we can start the discussion about them being on the on the bubble, uh, you look at Virginia. Oh, and you go back to Virginia Tech. They have a win over Boise State, too, who was in most bracketologists in the field. Boise State also lost to Clemson. And, and this is what I don't understand about the whole thing, is that the most obvious metric to compare teams and conferences are head-to-head matchups. And that's why they have so many of them in November and December, you know, the ACC played 30 games with the SEC, and they had a losing record. Um, but it wasn't to such an extent that you should say the the SEC should be getting nine bids in the ACC three, you know, three times as many games when the when the record was 12, 12 wins for the ACC and 18 for the SEC. That means 40% of the matchups went the ACC, um, you know, direction. 
So if you want to argue that the SEC, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with this, deserves more bids than the ACC, that's completely, completely fair because you got 30 sample points. Now, if you want to say they deserve three times as many bids, then, then it doesn't, it's just not adding up. The numbers don't add up. Even when you look at the ACC's out-of-conference record, they won nearly 72% of, of their non-conference games, which is just like a couple of percentage points behind the uh, the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, Big 12, right now, they, they had the best non-conference winning percentage at, at over 80%. You know, fantastic for them. They only lost 34 out-of-conference games. Nine of them were to the ACC. I mean, I could go on for this for a while, but any bracketologist that comes out this week after some of the results, um, and you don't have at least Virginia Tech or Virginia in the field after seeing, um, you know, Florida win, moving up the SEC standings, seeing how good Iowa State is um Miami is is in the in the picture if you don't at least have at least four ACC teams in the field this week I mean you should have your college basketball you know media <laughs> media credential completely revoked and really it 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 should be five it really should be five at the very least this what what Rostein tweeted out and 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 I would say over the years, I've, I found him to be a, a, what I felt like was a pretty knowledgeable um, basketball observer. That might have been one of the dumbest tweets I've seen in the last two years. That was that was ridiculous. <laughs> let's just talk numbers for a second, right? So, like, let's just judge by last year. I think if you're a top 40 net team from a Power 5 conference – you're basically a lock to make the tournament, right? There was an exception last year. Rutgers was 39th, and I believe the Big Ten had a record number of teams in. I think that's the reason that Rutgers got left out. But in my mind, Rutgers should have made the tournament last year. If you're using that metric alone, top 40 net, you've got North Carolina, Duke, and Clemson, and Clemson clears that bar easily. They're 28th in net. That's clear. Then it gets a little less clear. You got Virginia Tech at 46, Wake Forest at 47, Virginia at 48, right? So, like, they're not in the lock category, but they're at the very least they're in the bubble category, right? They could easily get some good wins and jump themselves up into that that top 40 range or close to the top 40 range. Like, not talking about these teams as bubble teams or saying that all these teams are on the outside looking in, it's just insanity. I'm with, yeah, I'm that, with that, you. That, that's the way I would describe it as well, Dan. What we're what we're seeing since the year started has just been just absolute in, insanity. And and okay, this is part two of my rant, Matthew. But I'm going to keep it really short. <laughs> okay. Again, <laughs> where where's Jim Phillips? Come on, man. Can you can you defend the conference? at any point proactively at any point in you the football or basketball season. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to let you I'm going to let you have the rest of that Matthew, but come on, man, just 
Say something. It's anything to defend your conference. Dude, totally in witness protection program, man. I mean, I can't find I can't I can't find that we need to send out a search party to actually try and find Jim Phillips because he certainly <laughs> he certainly was absent during during the during the playoffs discussion. And he certainly has been absent during any of uh, during any of this building up building up um build building up the ACC as it as it tries to you know compete for the compete for a number of tournament spots I mean <clears throat> I'm wondering it would be helpful at least and, and maybe they've done this Jeff I haven't done research on it it might be a good thing for me to check out but they're probably not gonna necessarily also put this out there publicly but he should be saying publicly which games he's going to he's going to like I I would expect that he should be in Blacksburg on Monday. If you're out here trying to, if you're trying, or yeah, on Monday, if you're trying to like bring up some publicity for your, for your, for your, uh, for your conference, you need to be at some of the hot matchups. And I know he does that and it would serve him well to be in Blacksburg on Monday. If he's not there, that's certainly a future blog post. Am I, am I not correct, Dan? He should be in Blacksburg on Monday because we know he's going to be at the North Carolina and Duke matchup, but he really should be at other spots where you have t teams that are in contention. I mean, all I care about is him promoting the conference and trying to get more teams in the tournament. And as we all know, there's definitely other, like the heads of other conferences that are out there lobbying for their conference. Like we just get radio silence from our leader over here at the ACC. Um, yeah, visibility would be good. Attending games would be good. And just like, getting out there and getting ahead of the narrative that the ACC doesn't deserve more than two teams in the tournament. Like those are the types of things he needs to be doing. I guess I'm going to echo this. He should be in Blacksburg on Monday. And if I don't see, if I don't see him getting interviewed by ESPN on Monday, Jeff, you can hold me to it. And Dan, you can hold me to it. I'm probably going to write about it. If I don't see him getting interviewed on TV on Monday. Is he better be getting interviewed in Blacksburg on Mon uh, about Blacksburg on Monday? There's not a lot of things you. I don't think there's a whole lot of things that I see him working on in terms of rev revenue production for the ACC right now. At least I'm not seeing it publicly, and I'm not seeing him talk about it, and I'm not seeing any real strategic communications that is strategy. So the least that I can see is for him to be in Blacksburg on Monday. And if not, they need to actually send out a serious search party to see if he's still there or if he's, you know, try, if he's trying to, you know, interview for that interview for, you know, Northwood, I don't know, some other, some other conference or something like that. God, I'm being facetious here and, and a smart, a smart ass here. So that's probably, that's probably it for my, I'm, I'm going to close myself there because I think I've gone off enough uh, on, on enough tangents here regarding Jim Phillips. And also I'll close my open microphone. Dan, you're the only one who has an open microphone night tonight, man. I mean, the only thing I could really come up with to talk about was um, I wanted to talk about Georgia Tech's team and not to take too many shots because I know Jeff is a Georgia Tech fan. I just want to talk about like what I saw from their team this weekend. So just having watched Virginia Tech a lot and a lot of ACC basketball, I think on the whole, like most ACC basketball teams, like handle their business like pretty well. Like I don't see many like hard fouls or cheap shots or like after the whistle stuff from any teams. 
I'm just trying to say this in the nicest way possible, but I think Damon Stoudemire's got to get a little bit more control over his team. Like, like, and I think Georgia Tech for stretches in that game played very well, and they like took what was looking like a blowout and got back in the game and made the game close. But in those parts of the game, I think that they gave too many hard fouls, too many cheap shots, too much after the whistle stuff, and it's. That stuff doesn't really bother me because you kind of see some of that in all games. What bothered me was it didn't seem like the coach was too bothered about the fact that it was going on. Like, um, if that happened on Virginia Tech, if we if we had a guy commit a hard foul, I think Mike Mike Young would come over and say something to him, or like a cheap shot, or after the whistle stuff. And I've seen Mike Young do a good job of that. Like he'll pull guys over, he'll pull guys out of the game. Like, he takes care of it on his own. I feel like Damon Stoudemire's got to do a little bit of that on his Georgia Tech team just because I don't know if this is common because I don't watch Georgia Tech enough to know if it is, but, like, I think it got a little bit out of control on Saturday. I'm just hoping that that's not the team's MO. I think that team's got good talent. I think they're a good up-and-coming team, but, like, that's the kind of stuff I, I don't like to see in the conference. Jeff, is that is that something you – have you seen any of that before, Jeff? I mean, I I did not watch the uh, the game Saturday, so you know certainly, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and disagree with Dan, uh, you know as a Georgia Tech fan. Uh, what I will say, and I think there is something to Damon Stoudemire at the moment, uh, and how he's he's reaching. Uh, the team in, in other aspects of how they play. And what I, what I will say is I would not be surprised um, if you continue to see an overhaul of the roster at Georgia tech. Uh, there's one thing I believe that, that I believe that, 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 that Stoudemire has made quite clear is that he's really frustrated by the effort uh, of his team, particularly on the defensive end. And what I have seen is is a team, uh, some players in particular uh, seem more concerned about their um, their offensive stats than really, you know, spending a lot of time uh, on their defense and putting effort on that side of, of the ball. So, um, you know, regarding the the the, the late fouls or, or any of that kind of physical play, um, I have not seen that from Georgia Tech in previous games, honestly. Um, but if it has happened in that game, uh, I think there's other aspects of what's going on that 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 could lead to some of that. And I think Stoudemire is quite frustrated with his with with his team um, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's done some good. They've, they've had games where they played extremely well. They've played in stretches, but the biggest issue seems to be, you know, a consistent effort level. And, you know, that, 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 that I think there's a mounting frustration with the team. I think he's frustrated with them. I think the losing is frustrating. Um, and it, it's showing up, you know, if it did show up with some of the physical, play it, it wouldn't shock me i don't think that's indicative of their their style under Stoudemire. i think that's true i think um, that's true can i just ask you a quick question Jeff? yeah yeah how 
how like how many of those players are his? Um, it's it, it's probably easier to say um, which ones aren't his because because he, he did turn over a good bit, a, a fair amount of the roster uh, coming into the to the season, and, and I'm going to do this kind of off the top of my head. Um, uh, uh, Kyle Sturdivant, one of the the backup guards who plays a good amount. Um, was someone he inherited. That's also someone he's, I think he's the godfather of. And uh, I think he's one of the players that, that's that been one of the better ones on the team. But then you have uh, uh, Debo Coleman, who was uh, from from Josh Pastner. Miles um, Kelly uh, was someone he uh, inherited. Gosh, I know I'm leaving out at least uh, at least one more. I'll probably think of it later. I think there's one. There was a fourth player that that was um, that he in, uh, in, inherited from uh, from Josh Pastner because he took in a lot of transfers. Um, he he got in uh, Nate George, who's who's had some really good moments as a freshman, and then the the, the Nongo kid, um, who who's probably would make the all ACC freshman He's really team. a good player. You know, and one, the one thing I have noticed about Georgia tech is that I do like Damon Stoudemire's offensive sets. I mean, I think that they, sorry to cut you off, Jeff. I, I, I have liked that about them because I've seen some motion in their offense that I really felt I haven't seen. in several. Yeah. Offensively. I think he's done a, he's done a lot of good things. They kind of play this, this four out and one in, offense it looks very nba by the way <laughs> yeah it, it, it does kind of remind you of some of the things buzz williams did they they do end up getting an, a lot of open looks um it's it sometimes okay it's a matter of them knocking down the shots um but i think offensively um you know the game plan is 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 the right thing and as he gets better players uh, i think you'll see improvement there uh, right now and and he said it in his posting interviews, especially the last few weeks. Um, it's on the defensive end um, where where they really struggle, and I, I don't think it's anything schematically that really looks all that wrong. I mean, they don't really have a a, a, a player in the in the post that's going to erase a lot of you know hard driving to the basket. So it's a little bit of a personnel issue, but I also think it's it's just effort. They just don't put a lot of effort. You know, certain players on the defensive end, um, there's some physical limitations. There's effort. Some guys are are young and they don't know where to be on the court. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, there's frustration. There's frustration with him. I think that's um, true. I think that's true. With their their defense and, um, you know, he's not coaching in the NBA. The guys don't know what, what to do you know, on, on their own. And I think he's, he's, he's figuring out that part, you know, how to, how to reach, how to reach his kids to get that kind of consistent effort that, you know, maybe when he was coaching the Celtics, you didn't have to tell, you know, you didn't have to push as hard to get them on to play hard on the defensive end. And uh, right now that, that's, that's an issue with that. No, team. I, I, you've, and you brought up a great thought there because like, I know, he, he seems like he will be able to reach them because Patrick Ewing, woof, he could never reach anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? That man could except, not reach. Except for that one miracle run in the Big East tournament for for, like, for a week, he reached yeah. them. 
Yeah, for, yeah, and that's probably because he 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 let his his guard he let his wonderful guard just make make noise from Southwest Virginia, right, Dan? Floors. Yeah, I mean, we we would have loved to have that player on our team. Um, and if I remember correctly, he was on three separate teams, so we would have just been happy to be one of those three teams. Um, but yeah, like, I, so the three plays that I'm thinking of specifically from yesterday. Um, they were all on the defensive end, so that makes sense. And, like, I also get the sense that they had some assignment issues on defense, and I think some of that probably had to do with just frustration, you know? Like, you you want your team to be better. You want everyone, all five guys, to be playing their assignment, but one guy's out of position, it ruins the whole thing. But, yeah, like, I, I just don't I just don't feel like the ACC is, like, a league where – a lot of the teams play like that, so it, it, it kind of got my attention yesterday. Not to say that, like, not to cast aspersions, because I feel like all teams sometimes have games like that, but um, it, it was something that, that bothered me a little bit yesterday watching the game. I mean, I think Georgia Tech will probably – they're, they're going to – I mean, here's the, thi- here's the thing. Like, it's – Virginia Tech has a unique offense, right? I mean, Jeff said it himself. I mean, if – when you see when you see Virginia Tech on, they're on, right? I mean, and that I mean because there was a, you know, when the, when Virginia Tech played NC State, there was maybe a six. And Jeff, I know you can correct this. That eight minute, eight minute to Jeff even said this on Twitter. That eight minute to set, two minute mark in the second half against NC State, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech was on, on, on. And if Virginia Tech can bottle that up. They can frustrate the hell out of teams if it, if they can frustrate the hell out of teams, and uh, it just so happened that you know that game against Georgia Tech, they they were on 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 on, and if you're you know they're they're they were fighting through screens, they were I mean they were playing and Virginia Tech was setting good screens so that their that their uh, offensive players could get in the position to get good shots. The post guys just played brilliantly and if you can get that kind of kind of kind of play from the post more often than yesterday Virginia Tech actually could make a run to get a get to get a good seat in the ACC tournament but that but the uh you know I don't think myself Dan that that's something I mean I I I agree with you that I did see a few things yesterday but I don't know that that's indicative of something that I've really seen from Georgia Tech this year they did have a a few shots but I think that that's also like it's kind of like Jeff said. I mean, you hit, they, they, they kind of, I think they kind of hit a wall in that game when they started getting a little. Fr- yeah, one, one thing I will say, I, I feel c- comfortable in saying that I don't think it's a style that, it, you know, if there was some, you know, physical play in that game, it, it's not, I feel comfortable in saying that's not something Damon Stoudemire is, is teaching. Um, I, I haven't seen it in other games where, where I felt like, man, you know, Georgia Tech looks really frustrated. That was a hard, you know, hard foul there. A lot of extracurriculars going on there, showboating or whatever. Um, I really can't think of two other situations of that of that happening. So I I, I don't anticipate that being a style of play. Um, you'll see from them in the, in the future, and and if it, you know, as you as you said, you know, you can what what you're saying you saw there if. If that came out, I think it was certainly due to just being frustrated. I mean, when Tech has gone out of conference, I see other teams play a style similar to that, 
it's just not one that I've really seen in the ACC. And like, I'm hoping it's not one that comes to the ACC and I, I don't think it will, but it's just, it's just different. It just stands out in like a different and unique way. Cause when you're out here playing other ACC teams every year, like you, you recognize the style and that's the style of play I haven't seen in this conference in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm with you. I, I remember like I, I watched Georgia Tech play Clemson, you know, when they beat, when they, I, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, Georgia Tech beat Clemson that game. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, Georgia Tech's got three wins over teams that are, you know, in the NCAA field if it's tomorrow. They beat Mississippi State, they beat Duke, and they won at Clemson. So, I mean, when, you know, stylistically, they do good things at times. Uh, but it's like you said, Matthew, I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, I think they've, they've hit a wall defensively and it, it's starting to show up, uh, you know, in, in Stoudemire's frustration with the team because he said it. He said how frustrated he is with their effort level. You may or may not see that again, Dan, but you may just see them getting blown out by 40 and just like, I hate to say it, I mean, maybe jogging their way up the court. But at the same time, I would also say that I think any team, maybe not Louisville, and maybe or maybe not Notre Dame, but I think any team in the ACC is capable of winning two games at the ACC tournament, Dan. I definitely think that's possible. And honestly, what I was impressed by Georgia Tech yesterday because in the first 10 minutes of that game, it looked like Georgia Tech was just going to get blown out by 40. Like it looked like the game was just going to go completely off the rails. Georgia Tech actually did like a pretty good job of getting back in that game, getting back into a game that like they probably shouldn't have been in because it looked like on the road they were just going to get pounded. <laughs> Um, and they actually turned it into like a pretty close game, like early into the third, into the sorry, into the second half. Um, yeah, but then like obviously Virginia Tech went out, and I think they won by twenty, twenty something, twenty three maybe. But yeah, like they they did a good job in what could have been a complete route of like staying competitive for the vast majority of the game, which I thought was a credit to them, and as. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows like going to Castle Coliseum is is a tough place to play, especially when all the students are back. Um, that was the case. That was the case yesterday. So I give them credit for that. But it was just like the the frustration that I saw was definitely definitely evident in that game, especially defensively. I'm with you. I'm with you, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you participate in our panels and come back for picks and come back on the podcast anytime, man. I will be back. Thank you for having me, and, yeah, I love coming on. So whatever you want me, just invite me back. Have a great week, guys. Take care.